Welcome to Women in Venture Capital, a podcast by students for students. I'm Roshvina. And I'm Anvita. And we are from the Harvard Business School. Our guest today is Maria Salmanka. Maria is a principal at Unshackle Ventures, a fund that fills a unique space in the entrepreneurial ecosystem, funding teams with immigrant founders at pre-seed stage. During her time there, she has been involved in 40-plus investments and has seen over 1,500 deals a year. She was the first Latina named Forbes 30 Under 30 for Venture Capital and Business Insiders Under 30 Rising Stars. Maria started her career at FWD.US, a bipartisan political organization focused on immigration and criminal justice reform. The group was founded by Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Ron Conway, Reid Hoffman, and other tech leaders. She was also the founding CEO at Swing Left and supported Higher Ground Labs with the first ever political technology landscape. Welcome to the show, Maria. It's a pleasure to have you. It's awesome to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Great. So diving right into our questions for today, Maria, you have worked in the political world when you began your career. Can you share with us how did that happen and how was your experience? Yeah, uh, of course. So I, you know, I, I came to the U.S. Uh, as a refugee when I was seven years old from Colombia. So Colombia used to be quite of a wild place back in, in the 80s and the 90s. And my family kind of fled that. Um, and so I think just growing up, I guess you, you kind of always uh, are attracted to the things you're familiar with. And so being an immigrant to this country and seeing everything my family went through on the law and immigration side of things just always made me super curious about that. And so when I actually went to college, I was uh, convinced that I was going to be pre-law. Um, I, I, I knew I wanted to go into like innovation, something, maybe law, maybe politics or, or something related to that. And so I was like, I want to change government. I want to change laws. I want to like change things basically was what I wanted to do. And so um, yeah, I grew up in Florida, moved out here and, and uh, most of my time really in college was diving very deeply into everything politics. And I think Berkeley had just hired a lot of professors that were really strong on like the quantitative aspects and statistical methods around voter behavior and, 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 and why folks uh, behave the way they do politically. And so really understanding that the motivations there and spent some, a couple of my summers in, in more traditional, like whether it was banking or corporate law or internships in, in the space and, and legal aid, I did do legal aid in, in Oakland for a full semester that I kind of realized I was probably not going to be a good fit for me. Uh, I'm, I'm a fairly impatient person on the short term uh, and kind of the, I like to build, I like to work with people. And so when I was looking at like the day-to-day of being a lawyer and the contracts and, and actually not being in court, all that stuff. It was very quick to me to realize that, yeah, law school is probably not it. At this point, it was it was pretty late. So, you know, I stuck to my political science career and, and owned it, but started to figure out what was the the intersection of, of tech and uh, law. And, and, uh, and that's kind of where I started working at uh, the first uh, lobbying group that Zuckerberg started before he started Chance Zuckerberg Initiative was called Forward.us, and it was all around immigration reform. It's now expanded into criminal justice reform as well um, and education. So, I, 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 my whole thing was I was very early, very small team, and my job was a lot of relationship management and fundraising for uh, at the time the CEO was Joe Green, who was uh, uh, Zuckerberg's uh, roommate from Harvard. 
And he, yeah, so I, I, I kind of went around just fundraising from tech CEOs and VCs and relationship managing and all this awesome stuff that I got to do that I was like, actually, these folks have the day to day that I think I want, uh, definitely not the legal or the policy side. That's kind of how I ended. So it's a long answer, but it really is kind of how I landed on maybe ventures the right path for me. That's great. And you've almost ventured into the second question that we had for for today that, you know, after your uh, very interesting and a smart move, I'd say, when you mentioned that you went into the intersection of tech and politics, I think that was a smart move. Uh, And from there, switched to investing, like you said, um, and you did join Unshackled uh, Venture Capital. And this fund is known to back immigrant founders at the seed stage. Um, So how has that been for you so far? How did you find that opportunity? How has the recruitment process been for you? And how are you liking it so far? Yeah, uh, so it was interesting, right? Because my entire senior year of college was, uh, I was pretty ahead of my credits. And and I basically didn't go to school for my last fourth year. Um, my parents still don't know that. But I worked pretty much full time at, at forward lobbying. And I was just like learning everything. I, I dove super deeply. At the time, you know, I graduated in 2015, and so that kind of aligns with with uh, the political landscape. If you can think of what was happening then, my boss at the time, Manny, got pulled in by the Hillary campaign to be fundraising deputy director uh, for California, and so he, his job was going to be basically fundraising from the exact kind of folks that we were just fundraising money for Zuckerberg. Instead, it was going to be for for Hillary Clinton, and so. Um, he was very set on, on going on the campaign, obviously. He was very excited to work on it. And, and I kind of took a step back and said, I, I don't I don't want to go into politics. I don't want to go into law. I know this. I want to be closer more to the other side. Um, and he was an incredible mentor and supporter and being like, you know, I think I think you're a builder. I think you're an operator. And, and you're so young at it. So, like, I think going into venture would be fascinating before you kind of figure out what, what you want to do afterwards. Uh, industry-wide or, or product-wide, whatever you want to do. Um, and because I was like, you know, I don't have any technical skills. I studied political science at Berkeley. Like, aside from like, I, I really went to the depths of stats and, and understanding econ because you can't really leave Berkeley without having some serious quantitative skills. Uh, I was, I knew that I was like, I can't like engineer or anything. I, I figured I didn't have actual real skill sets to go into venture. He introduced me to it at the time with the partners, Modern and Natin, who were just getting started in fundraising the fund. Uh, with this vision to back immigrant founders, they really saw an opportunity. Uh, and a lot of the investors or folks that had uh, given us money for the immigration uh, reform were actually LPs in this fund. So there were investors in this fund, and I kept hearing about it. And so when I met with them, it was really mostly a, a pitch on my end as, as well as there. I mean, on their end, there was like, Two guys who'd never been in venture were starting a fund with, with a very unique focus on immigrant founders, right? So there's a lot of questions of the, on the fund and whether this thesis works. Uh, but I had a lot of questions on myself as well. I was, you know, I was straight out of college. I definitely didn't have the, the technical background. And I said, look, I love to build. I love to be part of the beginning of something. I've done it already once. It's what excites me. It's what it drives me every single day. So take a bet on me and, and, and I'm taking a bet on you as well. Obviously, at the time, I, I had some decent offers from like the big tech companies, the Googles and the Facebooks of the world if I really wanted to go there. Uh, but I wanted to do something just totally different. I remember most of my Berkeley friends were kind of like, what do you, what the hell is venture? <laughs> they like, they all went to like Goldman and, and Google and law school. And they're like, what, like, what is on Shackle Ventures? What does it even mean? Uh, and I was like, I don't know. It's venture. I think it's like supposed to be cool. But 
I think I was by far, everyone was like, I don't think you know what you're doing. Like you should go to the Googles of the world. Um, that's hilarious. And I'm, I'm glad that you followed where your passion was. You acknowledged it and you went for it. And right now you're at the heart of driving diversity with Unshackled. And I'm sure your experience has been great. Uh, wanting to know a little bit more about it. How has been your experience with acknowledging and implementing diversity at decision-making positions, uh, both at the funding side and the portfolio team's uh, side? Do you feel there has been a compelling case laid out on having diverse portfolios? I think so. It's, it, it ends up being so personal, right? And and so... Um... In, in, in when you think about diversity, right? Like investing in general, I'm, I'm a big believer that investing is a very personal thing, right? Like realistically, you're betting on two or three people that come with you to, with an idea. And I know folks want to say like, you know, this was the best idea. It's the most obvious idea, but we see a lot of the similar ideas and markets and products going for similar types of approaches. And so at the end of the day, you end up betting on people, at least at the very early stages. And so it really comes down to people. And so I think that's, that's the hardest part of, of of being an investor or diversity, which is obviously you're not gonna you're not gonna relate to folks that have nothing related close to you, uh, and so I think that's kind of what you see a lot of this cycle. Uh, but in terms of just for for me, I obviously one my team was not trying to do venture the way that venture is done, right? When you were taking a bet on like a specific population. And so just by that, I knew that my, my work was meaningful. And so that did help. But I think my, my partners, right. And choosing them as, as my kind of bosses, uh, I knew that it was important for them to, did my voice feel heard? And that's something that like, obviously I earned with time because now there was a woman, but I was also super young. Um, I think they, they did a great job at, at allowing me to grow with the role. Obviously, I started as practically an analyst and now have been there five and a half years going to principal. Uh, but they also gave me the leeway to hire a mostly all-woman team, honestly. Both uh, our associate, our analysts, uh, both of our analysts are, are women. Um, and one's an immigrant, one's of color, and one is a white girl from Ohio from like a non-pedigree school. So I think once you start getting folks in uh, and kind of empower them, and I think different funds work differently. I don't think every fund, every woman is empowered, even if they're a partner, uh, then that's when the difference comes because they, we just hire people like look, look like us or we can relate to. And so it's very slow change, but I think it's happening. That's super to know. And uh, that's one key reason why a podcast like ours actually exists because we are rooting for just better representation at, decision-making positions be it at the entry level or even above and that will start creating the difference we're looking at which is uh, acknowledging that diversity does add value to firms. Um, one key bottleneck Maria that we've observed is that it gets harder for diverse teams to raise larger rounds. Uh, there seems to be a great start at the first check stage like an unshackled VC and a few more that we now know of. As they progress for larger rounds it gets harder for them to sustain as there is probably less capital for them. What are your thoughts on this concern? Do you think it, do you think it's an issue at all? Um, if so, what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think in general, institutional capital period is, is tough to raise. So I think when you think about the angels or, or the university angel groups or stuff like that, I think they tend to be overwhelming, a lot more supportive uh, across the board. But institutional capital is, is, is tougher. And I think it has to do with what I hinted at, which is it's hard to invest in in things that are not personal to you in a way. Uh, and 
it's personal both in your interest as well as relating to the problem or having a passion for the problem. So uh, I think in general, women or folks of color, uh, the problems that they are attracted to are obviously problems that they experience uh, and are magnified by everything that's out there. And it probably has to do with the fact that a lot of these products are not built for these populations. Therefore, they see and feel the pain point a lot more and want to solve it because it feels so obvious. But if the decision makers are not really seeing the same thing they're seeing, they're going to have a hard time. Um, and I think later stage uh, tends to be uh, less diverse. So I think the, the, the progress we've made on both the women in front of the folks of color has er, been overwhelmingly in the early stages, pre-seed and seed, um, to some extent, Series A funds. But anything after that, I would say still pretty male, pretty white, uh, pretty old school. And so I, I'm not surprised that there, there is that drop off in just understanding um, and where kind of what the risk uh, profile might be for other spaces that are not the usual software dev tools. Uh, yeah, that's a fair perspective. And in full honesty, while I don't have the data handy, I think uh, that's a fair point that it is directly correlated to not having diverse teams at funds at larger uh, who can do larger rounds so that uh, there, there happens to be less capital for them. That's a fair point. Um, as we wrap up our our regular Q&A section for the podcast. I have one more question and then we have an interesting rapid fire round that we're institutionalizing for the first time. Um, what advice would you have for folks, especially women, who are aspiring to break into and progress in the investing world? Uh, I think the, the mistake that most folks make the most often is not knowing what stage they want to be in. And by stage, I don't mean like just pick A, right? Like it, it could be, you know, early stage, late stage growth, P, like, understanding where in the stack of capital do you want to be and then the follow-up question to that is do you have the skill sets for that and understanding that across the stack of capital deployment there's a different skill set required right the earlier you go the less data points you have therefore if you have done 10 years in private equity and and, and you know went back to school um it's unlikely that you'll be able to get comfortable giving a million dollars to just two people with an idea and literally zero data or product it's a, it's probably not going to be your area of strength, not at least initially. So obviously a lot of the people that go into early stage investing tend to be operators, folks that have worked in product or growth or engineering roles at high growth startups because they understand what it takes to be helpful, right? And so in in, in that process of interviewing, the question that will always come up is, you know, what's one area industry that you know better than, you know, 99% of people and and, and because you know that so much better, what are some companies you're excited about? And that's usually where a lot of, of, of folks kind of uh, get tripped up because it's clear that they have an interest to explore the space, but not, not interest enough to do the homework and read about every single company and every single industry that's not public. So, right, like, don't answer what's your favorite startup and you say Facebook. <laughs> it's not a startup anymore. So that's that's the kind of the questions that I think really trip folks up and uh, I think interest for what part of the capital stack really shines through in the interview process. That's actually very well put, Maria. Just know what you want and do your research and homework. So um, that's an excellent advice. Um, moving on to our final section. And the first one, like we said, we're doing uh, a rapid fire section. And uh, 
like you know the rules are you can't think about the answer you have to answer the first thing that comes to mind we'll have not more than four to six questions so it'll be straightforward um so let's dive right in um the first question for you maria in the rapid fire round is that i don't know if you know this offhand but assuming you don't uh, how many in terms of percentage uh, women leaders do you think are there in the vc ecosystem globally Yeah, globally, oh gosh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's under five percent. So maybe three. Okay, I'll not give you the answer for that. I'll move on to the next question. Yeah. Um, who are your three role model women that you look up to? The easiest answer is always my mother. I think she's she's a badass. Uh, and so I don't think it. I, I don't think anyone I've met really gets to that level. Uh, I think in terms of of the more professional. Um, I really like uh Susan Rice. I think anyone that can be a woman at the global stage and anything international relations is 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 also a badass. I know that gender uh nuance is a lot worse at the global stage when you when you think about dealing with some across just power dynamics and cultures and countries and everything goes in. So and this could go for Samantha Powers as well. I think any woman that figures a way to do that or Hillary Clinton as a secretary of state or you an ambassador you name it up up there is is incredible. That's excellent. Which was the most recent book you read or heard of that inspired you? I'm currently reading The Psychology of Money. It's it's great. Uh it's actually written by a venture capitalist uh at Collaborative Fund. Uh and it goes into just historically how we have taught finance and money as a math or physics with rules and laws but in reality it should be taught more like psychology since no one individually and not one individual feels the same about money which kind of goes back to my whole thing of investing is personal and i think venture just amplifies that because it's a couple of people making decisions but at at the larger scale whether it's personal finance or macro finance or economics it, it is always very personal um great book highly recommended super that's going in my wish list um if you were to define your motto in life in a single line what would that be i would say, i mean it's it's cliche but i guess the the best work is never sexy i, I guess that's my always thing that um overnight success is like very rarely a thing and most of success comes after like some really messy not fun work uh in the day to day and i think that that's just always resonates that's very fair in one line again what's exciting for you in the current investing ecosystem consumer social i think we're going to have a comeback um it generally it takes about 10 years before the next social network kind of comes about or social anything and and we're overdue i think the facebook ecosystem is pretty much dead <laughs> super interesting and one final one for you now um a portfolio or a founder who you admire the most Oh that's hard that's like picking my favorite kid. Um I'll go with the last one I talked to which is like my go to she's also a female founder so that yeah, automatically puts her in the top percentile of my favorite founders. Um it's a company called Avia. Her name is Agia uh and she focuses on women's health but it's around uh birth control so it's actually a hardware case that tracks your birth control but the, the real uh value of it is it's the first time or chance that a woman gets a chance to understand their own hormones and body 
because if you kind of know where your hormones are and obviously birth control is a great starting point because it, it evens it out uh you actually understand why you feel the things you feel and how it relates to your skin to your hair to absolutely everything about you um including your moods and mental health and so it's a great company definitely check it out they, they just risked their seat so they are hiring <laughs> that's awesome thanks thanks for sharing and like you said that's a question to ask uh it's as good as asking who's your favorite kid i love that comment so maybe i'll skip this question altogether in my next rapid fires thanks for putting the perspective uh but it was super i don't know about you but i really enjoyed it um thanks so much for joining us your insights were really really uh, inspiring to hear uh, and i'm sure all our listeners will benefit a lot from uh, what you had to share today so thanks so much for joining us again and thanks for helping us start our rapid fire round the first time in our uh, podcast i think it will continue to be a long way as well of course thank you so much for having me